Hello, Internet. My name is Walter C.A.D.'s Fedchuk, and welcome back to a very, very special episode of the Final Cut Podcast presented by the Rough Drafts Podcast Network. I know that Chase and I say every episode is very special, but ladies and gentlemen, it is a crossover episode. We have two illustrious, esteemed guests with us today to talk about Arcane, the television series from Netflix set in the Runeterra League of Legends universe. And I am so excited to be talking about this with, with these three fine, fine, gentle people. Uh, obviously, I am just going to go ahead and start uh, with, with Chase, who is always here by my side, is my favorite podcast duo partner. Chase, how are you doing this lovely evening? And I guess just give us like a quick, you know, quick minute about what League of Legends kind of means to you as a whole. Absolutely. First of all, uh, I'm very excited for this crossover episode. Uh, back when I uh, was a, a member of the Geeks and Gaming Worldwide podcast, also known as the GGWP, uh, it was an absolute pleasure to talk about uh, some TV nonsense along some other ideas uh, with our two lovely guests today. Uh, as far as my League of Legends stuff goes, I coached a team back in 2016. It didn't go very well, but I got a lot of good stories out of it. Uh, and I was been covering League of Legends basically ever since. Um, there is a book that never got published that I wrote on the 2018 World Championship. God, time makes fools of us all. Uh, but it's the kind of thing where I, I've always had an attachment to the game and the lore of the game in particular, because I've never been good at the game. I was so bad, my players begged me to stop playing the game so that I wouldn't hurt their ability to get scrims. But the lore of it has always been fascinating, and I've wanted to see Riot do what they did with Arcane for so long, so long, uh, that I'm really glad we finally got it, because, spoiler alert, I love this series. This is Arcane is great, and I'm very excited to talk about it today. I think it's it's very reaffirming, uh, as someone who's been a fan of the, the game for so long in the universe, that Riot has finally decided to make something really, really concrete in the lore. And I know over the last few years, they've done a lot in terms of writing, you know, comics and stories and all this stuff and having a you know, kind of universe website attached to the League of Legends website, um, as opposed to back in the day where all the lore came from the Journal of Justice. To get that <laughs> reference, you've been playing this game for way too goddamn long. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, I said we have two guests here. Uh, I'm just going to start out with uh, with Devin, Pyrotechnics Young. Devin, I know you've been on the podcast, I think, way back in the past, but welcome back. Um, it is a pleasure to have you on this evening. Oh, what year is it, man? You just dropped the Journal of Justice on me, and I was like, <laughs> oh, I, I got like sent back to college. Uh, that was... That was about when I started playing. I, I'm doing well um, as I try to catch my internal clock back up. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about Arcane. This is, uh, this is a show that I feel like had no right to be as good as it is. And it clearly was the result of just like so much love and time and significant, excellent funding and amazing artists and actors and writing and i'm gonna gush about it forever but uh, i want to let i want to let the other guests talk too so i'm good i'm happy to be here it's awesome yes i do know that when they announced it initially there was kind of a worry because there is this sort of thought process in, in movies that 
video game movies don't really translate all that well um or they have to be like intentionally bad and you have to enjoy them as how how dare you mortal kombat is a absolutely brilliant i'm talking about the 1995 version by the way exactly Uh. and 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 that's a terrible movie but it has this sort of cult following of appreciation that you know makes it question mark good um and i i think that that was something that worried people about arcane but the witcher series from netflix uh the the dota series from netflix kind of helped you know assuage those fears and again yeah we got a really really awesome show um, but joining us, last but certainly not least, uh, Alex Wielden, uh, Magical Wielden. You know, Alex, I think you're the only one of us that are still involved day to day in like League of Legends esports as a whole. Um, so obviously, it has a pretty large impact on your life. I mean, yeah, seeing as I still am casting for uh, LCS Academy right now, I've casted for uh, the LPL as well as European Masters, doing all this stuff all all over the world, but I'm definitely well invested in the scene still to this day. I mean, I've, I go way back as well. That's why when you said Journals of Justice, I'm like, yeah, I, I remember those days way back in the day. Cause I, I started playing season one when I started playing. It was, I can't even remember who came out. I the only, Dude, you're before me, like, man. I, I think yeah, that was season two. Yeah. I remember like when I started paying attention to the champions getting released, it wasn't until like Wukong and Skarner in them, but I had been playing well before then. It just last when I started paying attention. And uh, were you before or after Dominion? I was before. I was before Dominion. Okay, you, then you were before me because Dominion had just dropped. Okay, so I, I mean, that's how long I've been playing the game. But I had no desire to get into esports or anything like that. I was, you know, in college at the time, and I'm like, this is going to be what I do. This is just for fun, you know, playing games. It wasn't until like, I want to say 2000. 17 when i'm like you know maybe maybe i could get involved in this maybe i could do more stuff in this and started shout casting because some people like oh you get had this great energy about you should try it and then one thing kept leading to another which led to another which led to another and here i am now i think it's kind of interesting to to see the sort of um the sort of start dates and what what triggers your your remembrance of when you started playing. You know, Devin mentioning that you have um, had Dominion coming out, which it was a capture the point map, and I really actually miss that that game whoa, whoa, mode. Whoa. I I don't like. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, Dominion was the best custom game map that we ever had. That was the only time, right? <laughs> yeah. It was custom mode where we can make our own games like hide and seek. All random, all bot. <laughs> what is this capture the point thing you're talking about? Look, man, it was fast. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, that was good. I miss <laughs> Twisted Tree Line though. I used to play Twisted Tree Line, but I, my only rule was I could never play it sober. <laughs> That's a really good rule to play Twisted Tree Line mm-hmm. because it was so fast paced and like being inebriated helped slow it down so so you could also, actually enjoy you just it. Dance with Vilma. Like that was, that was that was like the ultimate goal. Like it doesn't matter if you win or not. You mean now you don't purposely hold on to Rift Herald to have it hit the Nexus at the end so it dances? With I you? bold of you to assume I am ever at the enemy's Nexus. <laughs> Uh, but I bring that up because I have a very distinct memory of I started playing before Vladimir came out. That was the very first champion that I remember uh, coming out. And, you know, listen, like, I, I've i done pretty much anything there is to do in esports. I played, you know, as an amateur level in season two and three. I, I've casted a game. I've uh, coached. And, like, League of Legends 
kind of like you magical was it started out oh this is just going to be a hobby and i'm going to keep it as that and then for a long you know five six years of my life it was something that was also a job uh but what wasn't a job was watching arcane it was as as uh, as devin said earlier it was a fantastic series and i think the best thing to do is to start at the very beginning so what did everyone think of imagine dragons doing the theme song I loved it. I I, I was pretty good, song. man. I've listened to that more times than I care to admit. The whole soundtrack is awesome. And I do, like, it's one of those things. Is it a little bit cheesy that they sneak Imagine Dragons into the actual show? Yes. Do I care? Absolutely I not. Think they They've been hardcore know, fans like, for so long. I remember Imagine Dragons, like, I think they did, like, a little behind the scenes when they first did uh, uh, Warriors back in, like, 2014. And that was, like you know that was the first time like you know we saw like a really big like everybody knows who imagine dragons are like type of band like doing something league of legends related before it was like glitch mob which is like cool but that's still somewhat niche and like i I, they've been so they've been so like open about their fandom i wouldn't be surprised if they were like all right we will do a song and instead of payment you just have to animate us into the show for a scene we don't care where or when that's my headcanon i'm sticking to it and that song (laughs) it, it slaps that and they maintain rights to the song so when it plays on spotify they get you know uh, a, a tenth of a percentage point of a pound. yeah they get they get they get their two cents it's cool yeah. <laughs> I'm bold of you to assume it's two cents on spotify <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh honestly we talked about the opening song for a little bit longer than i thought that was supposed to be a throwaway but yes oh, let us the start misery. At the misery <laughs> let us start at the beginning let us start in what is technically the past even though it's a third of the entire first season and the introduction to the uh, the city of Piltover and the undercity of Zaun and the sort of hijinks of the street urchins of Zaun of course we are talking see what about you did there of course we are talking about Powder and Vi and their adopted father uh Vander who is sort of a uh, kind of a de facto mob character. Um, it was pretty obvious at the start that that Powder was going to be Jinx, right? I, I don't think for anyone watching that, even though they called her Powder, I think everyone was like, oh, cool, there's Jinx. Like, awesome, we get to see her as a little girl. This is great, right? Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I mean, it was it was a past thing, right? So we knew that something was going to change. Yeah, and it's, it kind of goes with the whole idea of how... Um, if you actually look at how the original lore of League of Legends was before, they've kind of tweaked it and with Arcane uh, retconned a couple things. Vi's real name wasn't meant to ever be Vi, right? The tattoo was meant to be what her she remembers. That's the last thing she remembers, and that's why she goes by Vi in the original lore. And I'm going way back. This is where I'm saying I could go way, yeah, way back. School. But you can tell how they've kind of brought some of that, those ideas and still used that in Arcane to still uh, have some sort of tie back with people who know the old days of League of Legends, kind of knew the new lore, and then mix them both together. Yeah. No, I I think they, uh, you know, obviously the old, old League lore was like, you know, a billion shades of like messy and didn't know he's like lineup. Fun fact about old League of Legends stuff. I used to like write, like rewrite lore or like come up with like champions back when I first started playing, which were all terrible objectively and not balanced in any way, shape or form. But like, that was what I thought I wanted to do originally uh, and then I kind of like dropped that by the wayside for esports, and and then they just did the whole like league universe thing, and I'm like, oh, okay, so this is meant to be a thing now. 
but but yeah, like I, I like how they they worked it together because we always knew Jinx and Vi were sisters. That was like one of those things that was like teased and eventually confirmed. Um, but changing it to like where her name is Violet, and you know the t- the tattoo thing is like more downplayed, and the look is like more streamlined and more realistic, rather than like steampunk cop lady with giant fists. Like I really like what they did with the design, including the backstory changes. Yeah, it's really smart, right? Because the kids are immediately easy to latch onto emotionally, right? They're still figuring things out. You want them to be safe. You want things to work out for them. Uh, And it allows us to have a lot of empathy for a character in Jinx that kind of loses it over the course of this whole season uh, for understandable reasons to a certain extent, but also just clearly, um, you know, never quite fit in, never quite knew how to... Uh, keep up with the rest of her friend group, which makes it all the more tragic when she finally succeeds in the thing that she's wanted to do for forever. Look, guys, I did it. I I, I saved the day and it went horrendously wrong uh, because, of course, it did. That's how Jinx works. But you you need those first couple episodes to really establish the, the bond there, the the hurt of Powder trying to figure these things out and, and trying to come to Vi's aid and, and seeing Vi and understanding her uh, desire to always push forward, to take risks um, against a system that is very much biased against the people that she cares about. It just, by, by channeling it through that lens, you get the immediate connection and immediate sense of empathy. It helps us understand the mistakes that are made while resonating with the emotions behind those mistakes, it's really it's a really smart choice, and I, I think that it was uh, very well structured to start there, uh, rather than trying to start us in modern times and maybe flash back the way that other shows tend to do. Um, I really liked that choice. Yeah, I I agree. And to me, how it felt is this show really understood that it was trying to get both fans. New fans and old fans, right? It was trying to get a new audience who wouldn't know anything about League of Legends. And pretty much it's almost saying, this isn't a League of Legends content bit. This is a completely separate entity. Yet for all the fans of League of Legends who know the lore, like how we do and we're really invested, we see the Easter eggs. We understand the story. We're like, oh my god, we get the backstory for Jinx and Vi. Oh my god, we get to see all these old characters. Hey, look, there's Singe. Hey, look, look, all these little Easter eggs in the background. Seeing like Heart of Gold and stuff like that. It's great for those fans, but then also, like you said, it's great because it introduces these new fans to these characters without having to go flashback, flashback, flashback. It's it's going to the beginning of those characters' journeys and telling you who these people are, who they'll eventually become. Yeah, that's that like that's the massive thing, right? Like it hooks you very quickly with like these endearing set of qualities that like it, it works whether or not you are already an established fan and the extra bits uh whether they're easter eggs or just like additional characters for people who know like the league of legends universe or at least have some passing understanding of it, or maybe they've just played the game and they have a favorite character that shows up is amazing i feel so spoiled by the way because my two main champions are are jinx and singed uh but yeah, we get to see, like, so many cool characters, like, at their younger ages here. Like, we see Echo pop up. We see characters, like, that aren't champions but are just super compelling and interesting. Um, I mean, like, Vander, the, the like, the surrogate dad character who, yeah, he's also kind of this, like, underworld boss with, like, a heart of gold. Uh, not to, you know, not to, <laughs> to, to, 
to kill that particular uh, reference pun as well. Um, and he's, like, not just taking care of Jinx and Vi, but it's also Milo and Clagger, who are, like, this weird, like, misfits Goonies group together where they're going and doing this job in the beginning of the episode. Uh, and it just ties and it ties so well together. The acting is so well done. Like, you can really hear in, in the vo vocal efforts of, like, everybody, like, just how much, like, proper emotion is put in. And also just how well pitch perfect that they're all casted for, like, the visual component. I mean... Like, they, everybody kind of inspires the feelings that you, you want uh, in, in each of these characters. And I, I think it's just, it's so well made from start to finish. And this beginning uh, first arc that, that has everything, like, set in, in an earlier time period, um, you do really get to see the seeds planted for what these characters will become. And not, not just in the Undercity, you know, you see the same thing for, for Jace and for Caitlyn. And, uh, and even Victor, you know, pops up in there. And you're like, oh, wow, this is a lot going on. Exactly. And I think there are some incredible parallels and a discussion of the benefits of privilege uh, talked about in sort of this first act as there is there are mistakes made, obviously, by powder that have, you know, these these long reaching consequences that, that eventually lead uh gonna pause just one second guys we're gonna spoil the hell out of this show as we're talking here for probably the next 45 <laughs> minutes so if you haven't watched it yet um i don't know what the hell you've been doing over the last like six months but you should just go watch it now and then come back and listen to it otherwise if you've listened you know you watched everything cool just keep on listening from here perfect okay so when it finally all escalates to vi finally calling powder a jinx and then you talk, you talk about and look at the mistakes that Jace has made and that Jace is really sort of the one who kind of sets off uh, pretty much the storyline as we go forward from the end of the, the first act. Dude's got that, magic nukes in his office. What? <laughs> and he doesn't get punished. Like, well, I mean, he does, he but then he does. Well, yeah, it's just, Wait, oh, God, it's so much. In your office? Uh, it turns me. out uh, no, yeah. <laughs> if you make the military industrial complex happy, uh, things tend to work out well for you. I know that's very well, far removed from our own world, right? Obviously, we're in a fantasy mm -hmm. setting, but it turns out perhaps it, it tends to be a good play. Um, and, it, and that alone leads to its own things, right? Every moment of this show, and it is a show where there are a lot of things happening constantly, but it, there's every moment is either building a character or building the world. And there's no time wasted in either capacity, which is something that I think is incredibly difficult to do from a structural standpoint. But yeah, as, as you said, Walter, these, these things all tie into each other and it all creates a cohesive world, which has always been the strength of Riot's narrative, right? Individual characters being things that people could uh, get attached to and a world that needed to feel more lived in. This world is very lived in. Uh, and the consequences of that really have these ripple effects throughout. Every character has personality, even the ones you see for like five seconds, like the the little like Yordle Madam, like oh, they just, yeah. and, 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 and not to spoil it because obviously she shows up again later, but like <laughs> like it's just, like every single character. You talked about no time is wasted, Chase. There are no like shots or like people that are wasted, right? Like you get to see so much that is just full of life and it, like even like even the stuffiness of like the piltover council like they don't delve into every backstory but like the bit where mel's just like picking out a toy for the the goofy old guy who like doesn't know anything and she's like oh it's a children's toy it's like perfect he doesn't know anything like you get so much information 
through these like small interactions and and that that's the genius of it right like it you get a lot out of what seems like a little absolutely this is it's something that riot has gotten i think very good at over the last few years just with their characters in general um the the you know uh, champions that they've created for the game going into the map and adding little nuances here and there obviously the one that springs to my head immediately is the little snail down by tribush at the bottom of uh dragon that if you put your cursor there that's how you get a ward into uh into tribush <laughs> but they add then that nuance into this tv show and you're absolutely correct there is not a a pixel on the screen that isn't important to the greater world as it is and we you know we talked earlier you you get some of these like oh obviously this guy is singed and the experiments on the rat and you go oh well i know what i know what champion that turns into that maybe we'll get a little while you know in later seasons and there's the discussion of like well vander okay is vander a parallel for a champion are they gonna make them a champion and all that jazz and you get complete by the end of the third episode you are so insanely invested in everything that is going on it was almost criminal that you had to wait a week for the next three episodes and i think in sort of this like streaming landscape of things we got really really spoiled and then disney came out and was like what if we only release the episodes once a week like it was TV, and then it was all taken away from us again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, coming out of the the first act, it's sort of the the history and the childhood of all of our cast of characters. We do we enter into the second act where Jace's mistake turns into, as as Chase so aptly said before progress and success, and it makes everyone's lives better and him and victor are pushing for more applications for the use of this hex tech uh hex tech technology to better the lives of everyone and obviously when there is something that can be money can be made off of there are counter priorities in which we see sort of the emergence of mel as a character and it really does shift mostly away from talking about Zaun in the first act into mostly talking about Piltover and what the uh, the failed heist or successful heist, whatever way you want to look at it, and the, the uh, repercussions from that lead to a prosperous time in Piltover. Yeah, it's it, we get like as opposed to like that first episode where we see them the whole, like the welcome to the playground plays and they're like walking through uh Zon and the lanes. And like, we get like the, the counterpoint to that where, you know, you have all these drunk people like happy progress day, uh, you know, and then we see where all the characters, what they've all been up to. And obviously, yeah, like Jace is now like this big hot shot, like, like golden boy, his face is everywhere. Uh, and you know, he's, he's kind of the talk and toast of the town and we're seeing the, you know, the creeping influence of like, oh, now you have these hex gates where people are moving fast and, and quickly between things. The shipping lanes are all improving. We get hints of other parts of the world. Like they, they, they name drop Noxus a couple of times. And obviously Mel's connection to that starts to come into focus. And uh, yeah, it's it definitely is a shift. And you I think that's symbolized by like how forgotten all of the, the Zon stuff is because it 
like the first time we really start to engage with like a Zonite character, it's like, oh, Vi has been stuck in Stillwater Prison and forgotten about for like ten years, or however long the time skip is. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah, they kind of forgot about Zon, didn't they? Well, you know, the thing about Zon is is the flashes that we get are used in contrast to the benefits we're seeing in Piltover, right? Piltover gets to benefit from this Hextech technology. And, you know, the questions are all about, well, how do we further this? How do we protect the gains that we have gotten against a group of people that are potentially uh, going to move against us? But in Zaun, things did not get better. Things got worse because Silka was able to make his way in with this power vacuum and proliferate the spread of Shimmer, something that uh, gets even more expanded on in the third act, but that you can see right away that without Vander's influence, a lot of things kind of fell to the wayside, and Silka was able to consolidate power in that kind of natural vacuum that would not have existed in a world in which Piltover is willing to share in some sort of equal partnership, right? It's it's one of the reasons why in Act 3, it's so persuasive when Silco is arguing for an independent Zon. Um, because you, you recognize that no matter what's going on up on the surface, the Undercity is getting ignored. Piltover does not feel a sense of responsibility to anything other than Piltoverian uh, uh, interests. And, and so you get this... This real interesting dynamic in which you you see Piltover and the inherent flaws of a system that exists to perpetuate and defend itself at the cost of anyone who doesn't fit into that paradigm. And we see that mirrored in how Jace elevates himself to the role of a counselor and the way that his opinions are, are to some extent corrupted by the need to balance things out in a way that allows him to pursue his progress at the expense of his partner in Victor. It's all, you don't need to spend all of the time on Zon outside of the bits that we get with uh, both Vi and Caitlin kind of doing their investigation, but also with Jinx and that relationship with Silco, because part of the point is that Piltover has forgotten about Zaun in its quest for perpetual progress. It's just really smart uh, when it comes to the storytelling there. And I would even go even further that um, Zaun, if you look at how Zaun was, Zaun didn't even necessarily care that Piltover had this great technology because they had already seen themselves as separate. They had already seen themselves as, we cannot rely on Piltover. We cannot just uh, rely on what they're doing. So instead, what they do is it's not, I wouldn't even say it's like being an urchin or like an underbelly trying to feed, like a parasite trying to feast off them. They are tr trying to use the things that they have at their hands, which at that point happened to be Shimmer, to further get themselves wealth, to try to get themselves some sort of control that Piltover wasn't get granting them. That Piltover had forgotten about them, but that was true before. That was true before the heck uh, gates even came up. They had pretty much just uh, like, whatever, yeah. Zon, Zon. But Zon now has this way to gain power and gain strength. And I think that's more what eventually starts building up over and over again, is that Zon is getting their own way to be their own entity that is kind of threatening to that of Piltover. 
and it's 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 also where it really ties into like the the aesthetics and the trappings of like League of Legends because one of the things that even back when the lore was objectively flaming hot garbage, uh, they still had a, a clear like identity for like their locations in their world, even if there wasn't even a map for it. Like Piltover was you know your steampunk Wonderland, and Zon was the like dirty grungy maybe not necessarily an undercity of piltover at that time but like you know a lot of like chemtech and that kind of stuff and it was like really like dark like cyberpunky kind of uh in contrast to like to the more like futuristic and bright like steampunk aesthetic and they always played off each other in the same way that like noxus and ionia played off each other or demacia or rather demacia and noxus but ionia you know a whole nother parallel i guess but um you can really see that like riot took all of that all of that like trapping and they made this, like, cultural and technological divergence really hit that home super hard. Like, like apart from just the, the actual human and, uh, like, like, power structure shifting uh, that happens, like, you can see, like, it, it is a divergent, unique culture. And even though they are technically sort of two cities or one city separated by a bridge and lots of class divides and everything, you know, like a, like a fucked up Minneapolis or something, um, it was just really, really like interesting to see the visual design just diverge so hard even from like act one where you get quite a uh a distinction it's even further now and it's reflected in the way the characters interact and treat it separately because we do get much more of silko's perspective in this chapter uh and we start to see you know he's not just this like faceless bad guy doing this thing right he's very much the like in, in the first chapter he feels for like the episode first episode or two he's just this like force that's kind of evil and then we get a little hint of his humanity at the very end when you know when he like hugs hugs powder and it's like oh well you know i don't know what the deal is here but now he's like full-on like you know hashtag world's best chemtech daddy uh and he's just like he's protecting jinx he actually he actually cares and he also genuinely cares about this independence movement his methods are like super questionable and super messed up and he's like a drug lord basically but like there's there's elements that are sympathetic about him, and I think that's just so brilliant in storytelling that they managed to make that so, make that point so strongly. And I think there is a very important part here is that they do, you know, they do have this primary shift that Act Two is about Piltover, and I think you, uh, Devin, you bringing up the fact that Vi was like locked away in prison for and just like forgotten about is very poignant. Of Zon, nothing really changed in Zon after all that stuff happened life didn't really get worse under silco it didn't get better and they didn't reap any of the benefits of what was happening in piltover it was just business as usual it was the you know the same day in day out that they had been struggling with forever if anything obviously shimmer probably becomes a little bit more apparent because Silco is in charge and these chem barons get more power underneath that because it does seem like Vander was kind of poised as more of a like honorable thief, honorable mob boss. We don't touch drugs. We, we will steal. We will, you know, blackmail. We'll do all those kind of things, but we aren't going to resort to something like that. And Silco goes, who cares? Like, if you don't see it, it doesn't matter. But if you want to be involved in my empire, by all means, there will be a place for you here. Um, I'm just thinking, uh, remembering off the top of my head when he does eventually have the meeting with the chem barons. And you bring up at the end of, uh, you know, end of act one when he's holding powder and is as being 
you know, a replacement father figure. I just remember the meeting with the chem barons and him throwing the, you know, smoke bomb in there and just being like, I could kill all of you right in this goddamn second and nothing would change. It would all yeah. be the exact same because I'm the one that's in charge. And, I'm and he doesn't breathe. Person. He doesn't breathe in the thing until the very end of his point being made. What a power move. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, for one, am the entire time that Silka was on screen, I was like, is this supposed to be Jin? And I'm very happy that they were pretty clear that no, he is a he is a separate separate person, separate identity. Yeah. He's not a champion that we've had before, so on and so forth. Because it would have been really weird to try and go from what Silco was to be like, oh, and then he somehow ends up like Jin. Because yeah. while there are some parallels in sort of the face and the eye and, you know, the love of... Uh, he seems like he enjoys the finer things in life. He would probably enjoy uh, a gin violin <laughs> performance or whatnot. Uh, he's, they're not the same character. They have very different ideals and, and, and visions. And despite all that, despite how he spends so much of Act 2 justifying and, and proving to us that, yes, he actually does care about Jinx above everything above you know even uh even nox uh noxian um independence that he can that he is still evil he is still a villain here and we need to remember that he does you know is doing awful things um but the key right is that he's a person yeah that's the the thing that this show understands is that villains are people and it's complicated you know I, I i think that there's a tendency especially in certain a- animated circles for there to be a, a there's good and there's bad and the good guys are good and the bad guys are bad and it's just kind of so obvious and on the nose without necessarily going into the why and this is a show that focuses on the why the why is why we're here um and and having a fully fleshed out character makes all the difference yeah, and and by the same token, the the good guys aren't always entirely good, and why what they do what they do is is very uh, is very like in depth explored, and like they question, you know, like we see this bridged gap, and I guess we're starting to get more into more the the next arc, but like you know, with Caitlyn realizing, oh man, Zon got fucked over. Sorry, cursing, <laughs> but like it just she's like she realizes, you know, this this like very like prim and proper like privileged daughter of a counselor like and, and you see that that in the relationship between her and vi that 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 forms it's just this so like understanding gradually of wow things are messed up and that is our fault or at the very least our responsibility to fix well, um yeah it's kind of bridging i kind of want to even like go back a bit before we get, get into the next arc just because i kind of want to go into why i think this arc felt more like it focused on piltover and that that's uh, that goes back all the way to how we were talking about Vander, how he is like, he is kind of the kingpin at the time. But if you think about what he is as that kingpin, he's the status quo. He didn't want to change anything because he'd saw, seen what happened last time. They tried to change things. He's afraid. He had the deal with the with the with the old uh, sheriff. Exactly, right? and so he has that deal that you know to keep, keep things the same. But you see that it doesn't actually benefit Zon. So when Silco takes over and he is changing things. He, sure, the argument can be made. Nothing really changes for Zon. That's not inherently true. There's more wealth that goes in, especially for those Chemtech Barons, where they're Shimmer Barons. They're making money. People actually in Zon can make a profit that's a little bit more lucrative than just the st- standard blackmail. 
than just the standard, oh, you know, I, I can do this kind of stuff, the piracy, et cetera, et cetera. Or I could just sell the drugs to everyone. And remember, so the rich get richer, the poor stay poor kind of mentality. And I think that's why there wasn't as much focus on Zahn. Try to show that while Piltover's doing all this, Zahn in the back line, in the shadows, is slowly gaining more power, gaining more wealth where they can actually fight against Piltover again. And it, it, it grows in influence as the as this arc goes on, right? Because, like, you know, we talked about how it is Zahn feeling and looking forgotten, even from, like, a, you know, the show isn't focusing on it as much in the beginning. But by the end of this arc, you know, when it gets to, like, that last episode, it's, it's a lot of Zahn because you have all these, like, scenes where, you know, they're in... You know, like, 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 Vi is injured and Caitlyn's trying to care for her and then, like, Silco shows up and does his, like, bad guy speech and all the, all the, the Shimmer guys, like, hulk out and, like, it, it's, like, very much showing, like, the dichotomy and, and, like, yeah, while, like, on the surface not much has changed, you're right, a lot has changed because now you've got this, like, crazy difference of these, 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 like, people that are, like, just completely, like, ravaged by this, this horrible, like, chemical drug that's super addictive and then you also have like yeah the power structure at the top is shifted and uh you know silco has injected himself into more of the mainstream aspect of zon and like the, the polish hasn't changed but everybody knows something has changed and that's where the introduction here in the second act of the the third the third party essentially uh between zon and, and piltover the firelights and echo suddenly kind of bursts in here at the end they you know they have the uh we have the uh the airship scene uh at, at the dock at the beginning that sort of then exposes what jinx has turned into but we don't really see much of them here now until the end uh where they uh where jinx has the gem we have the the reuniting of vi and jinx but there's someone standing next to vi and jinx who has has this sort of abandonment complex through you know that has been built up and sort of shown throughout this second act we haven't even talked about her hideaway and her uh her uh, uh not stuffed but her models of of milo and, and clagger uh because she is you know in an essence responsible for their deaths and the moments of sort of that crack that really does appear and really shows how far Jinx has sort of fallen away since Vi has been gone. The Firelights come in, they steal the gem, which basically is what has been triggering now this growing conflict between Zaun and Piltover, and they capture Caitlyn and Vi and take them away, and Jinx is abandoned again, uh, and, and, and just kind of, ha again, has this mental break that happens. And we lead into Act 3 which battle lines have essentially been drawn between Piltover and Zaun, and a conflict is coming. And the act is about how these characters are, where they stand on, on the battlefield, and what their ultimate goal is coming out of it. Um, you know, Vi sort of at the beginning of the act is is disbelieving that Powder, that Jinx has fallen so far and still believes she can bring her back. Caitlyn is, is still trying to pursue and, and rescue this gem as sort of her um sort of her statement of, of where she stands, sort of in Piltover, beyond just being a counselor's daughter and and you know the low person on the totem pole when it comes to the, the sheriffs. And 
Jinx and Silco on their end. Jinx obviously is is having this mental break and just wants to cause pain and suffering on on Caitlyn in particular, who she feels has stolen her sister away. Uh, Echo is being you know opposing of Silco, who wants to use this as a a a power grab to really define what Zon is, a nation under his tutelage, under his rule. And obviously the, the citizens of Piltover, Jace uh, and Mel, trying to protect Pilt, Piltover uh, writ large um, and potentially, you know, their, their own relationship. Uh, and then we haven't really touched on Victor much um, because Victor seems to be sort of, if you build a spectrum of, you know, Piltover to, to Zon. And you put Silco at the Zahn end of things, and you put Heimerdinger at the far end of Piltover. Victor seems to be the perfect balance, the 50-50 of both Zahn and Piltover. I know we've talked about all the other characters. Chase, what about Victor did you find interesting? Well, the thing about Victor that makes him so great is that he is someone who has a clear motivation, the pursuit of science and advancing this project that means a lot to him, and a timer, because he's got this illness that is tearing him apart. Um, and we know, obviously, those of us who have played League of Legends, we know where he is going. The glorious revolution, uh, the glorious evolution is at hand. But at the same time, this is someone who, at this point, isn't there yet. He's at the point where his reasoning for doing so is incredibly understandable he's literally going to die and there's a sense of urgency that he has that allows him to contrast very well with the slow moving piltover council you know the council is of course going to err on the side of stability at all times because of course they will they're going to maintain their power for years if not decades to come and even if they were to fall off they could appoint someone else in their family to take over uh sustainability consistency uh this is helpful for them that means nothing for victor because if victor can't pursue this goal to its natural end then he's not going to make it to see the benefits of what comes next it's a heartbreaking thing to see someone recognize that their goal is within reach, that their goal has the potential to save their own life and they can't get the go-ahead to pursue it and they can't get the friend who's been meant to be there the whole time to have his back on it, to, to fight for it in a, in a real way and to help him push forward such that he feels the need to uh, go ahead on his own uh, and as a result, he's kind of driven into the hands of Singed, who, uh, who is willing to pursue things no matter what the end result is, who doesn't care about the consequences and is willing to, to, to embrace the potential danger of what Victor is doing without a second thought, uh, which is really unfortunate for Victor because it that, as we know, isn't going to end the way that he hopes it does. My, my only thing with the Victor storyline that I think sucks uh, is the fact that the uh, childhood friend and uh, assistant Sky kind of gets refrigerated um, as a result of one of these experiments, hey, uh... Uh, which for those of you who don't follow comics is just uh, when a female character is killed off in an unceremonious way to further the plot of a male character. It wasn't necessary. Didn't need it. It, it felt wouldn't mean. have hurt him. 
it felt mean because we get her backstory like literally like or, or her motivations like literally like five seconds before she gets turned right. into dust. And that's kind of why it's like I love Victor and that was the only real major gripe I think I had with Arcane was that part where I'm like, Oh come on guys, yeah. did we have to fridge her? Really? I I I definitely think it could have worked. It would have worked. If they spent right, more if, time setting her character up. Exactly. That's the thing. It's not exactly. the fact that she dies, it's the fact that like it's like they shoehorned it in. Like, we get, like, one vision of her, like, seeing him when they're little kids, like, playing by the pool. Which, I do think his relationship with Singe was set up very, like very well. Uh, and I really liked that, like, that's where he turns back to, like, where he grew up. Because he is, Walter, you put it this way, like, he is very, like, he's like a bridge. Because he lives in Piltover, but he's from Zon. And he embodies, like, the, the, the kind of the best of both. Like, a bit of, like, a ruthless drive to, like, get things done because he has a timer. But also, like, that, like, we want to make other people's lives better. Like, Victor is, like, might be the best character in this show, just from, like, a moral perspective, I think. I would agree, and I think, to me, personally, he is the most heartbreaking character because of, Chase, what you brought up. We know where he ends up. We know Join the Glorious Revolution, the the character, the the you know champion that is in the game victor is one of my i i don't play him very often but he is one of my favorite characters uh that riot has ever created specifically now that they've added this incredibly heart-wrenching backstory to him that maybe that makes where he ends up even more just just heartbreaking because he is such a a good person at the beginning he is such a you know he's the one that that essentially saves jace and goes listen like i actually think your research has some some thought and at that moment it's not because he's like oh this can save my life it's just like oh wow you came up like you have something that's really new and interesting and if we can make it work this changes everything for everyone and he is very much the moral center of this movie or of this show as you go across because like he doesn't want to create weapons. He wants this to be used to elevate everyone. He's sort of the one that's like, well, when do we get, like, let Zaun start to use some of this stuff? And he is shut down by the privileged council because, well, they don't need it down there. And we can't trust them with that. Look at what happens when they have any of these crystals. Or, or don't forget, they're the ones that caused the explosion in the first place. Yeah. And it is where you do see this sort of descent and the fact that everyone around him, Jace in particular, who is his friend, is caught up in the success of everything, that he does have to go back to where he was from, and he has to go back to Singed, knowing exactly what's going to happen when he goes there, and knowing that he is going to have to cross the line to essentially save himself and in reality does he really save himself knowing where the character eventually ends up mm, obviously wow. we have a lot of sort of acceleration here till we get to the end and there are a lot of plot points here in the third act that are really important is there any particular scene from these final three acts uh, this final act oh. <laughs> Any scene, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's big, I mean the whole question. thing. Uh, can I just say the whole thing? Because, oh my, the the third act went hard. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. We should start with so the much. the echo fight, oh. right? Like that oh. was yes. 
There's so many fight scenes in this that are incredible, but that that one full-on changes the animation style. It full-on, it's a different show for a bit there. Not only that, Chase, but the fact that it cuts back and forth between them when they're, you know, at that age to when they're kids, play fighting. Ah, there's so much about it. and, And the music is perfect, and it's perfect for Echo. There's a real sense of getting his character to come across in just everything about it it's really well done um it's it's probably the most beautiful part of the show to me uh followed by uh i think it's at the end of episode eight the full-on horror movie thing where caitlin sees jinx in the mirror at the end there like holy shit that's after that's after jinx like undergoes like the crazy like ridiculous surgery and has all those like trippy visions yes uh, which is wild. The the final shot of, of the super mega death rocket finally getting used and everything that the counselors were working towards that was finally going to bring some peace uh, and, and uh, perhaps some uh, much needed independence for Zahn just gets destroyed by Jinx's need to, uh, I, I, you know, I- embrace the crazy that is uh, who she is at this point in time. I, it's it's just Act Three is great. I I do think there's there are some fair criticisms that it's not able to maintain all of the many balls that were juggling in the air based on Act Two, but it wasn't ever going to be able to. That's why it's the first season yeah. of a show, and we have to hope that uh, season two can really pick up and carry the momentum on all of the bits that had to fall to the sideline in order to focus on those really key moments that defined so much of, of what we got here. And Chase, I, you know, yeah. I liked the last scene. The only issue I had with that last scene was it just dragged on a little too long. It had a really good impact, but after like 30 seconds of it, I'm like, okay, I get it. I get what's happening. I felt like it would have had such a bigger impact had it just been studded as and it, and it drops off at the end, right. too. But it, the thing is, that's where it should have been. If you're going to drop off like that, do it from the beginning. Five, ten, fifteen, uh, ten seconds in, you're showing all the impact, and then boom, done. Impact. That that has, like, lasting impact where it just suddenly ends. And you're like, what just happened? Yeah. I, I think there was a little bit of, like, lead up with showing, like, the council members, like, signing all the deals, showing, like, uh, like, like, uh, Caitlin and, and Vi, like, kind of like, no. Like, like, I think there was some level of cinematic, like, like 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 upping the stakes almost or, or at least showing us what they were that so i don't i don't totally agree with that it dragged on too much but there was definitely parts of the act that did um i'm definitely keeping in mind that the bit where jace kills the kid and he just like falls for like 15 seconds that was gratuitous yeah. and then um, comes back at the start of the next episode <laughs> yes! like we needed like that was just torture porn like that was just yeah. let me let me make things the saddest possible yeah. like the kid being dead was sad enough that was unnecessary yeah. riot it was. Uh, there, there are a couple other things I wanted to touch on for this act, too. First, uh, another fight scene that I think really deserves a lot of love is, uh, and another character that we haven't even talked about, is the fight between Vi and Savika. Oh, that was just... Yeah. That's the moment... Like, we saw Vi with the gauntlets, like, fighting alongside Jace, and we get, like, our odd. They're full-on in champion form. That's cool. This is where we saw, like, Vi just go all in against, like, a person, like, like the second-in-command of, like, the, the people that took her entire family away from her and she gets the one gauntlet destroyed. And also if there's ever a character that could make a champion in league, it's Savika. 
Uh, she is scary. She's awesome. She has a lot of really cool scenes and character development, like when she almost uh, when she when she uh, almost has a change of heart on Silco. Uh, I don't want to go too deep into that, but I really like that scene too with um, the other the other chem barons. Uh, but the last thing I want to talk about with regards to like the character like arcs and and Jinx in particular is how there's this weird dovetail um, between both her and even though she never interacts with him, Jace. Uh, like, they, they both kind of have this, like, inventive... They're, they're both very much, like, the, the scientists, and even though that's not unique to this uh, setting and this story, um, they're kind of the ones driving both, like, A, Hextech, and B, like, the, the weird, like, explosive, uh, non-Shimmer-related chemtech stuff. Like, like we see her in the lab, do the Get Jinx plays, she's making all these cool things. She figures out how to use, like, the gem beyond, like, more than anyone else Inzon is able to do. Like, she's, despite being totally cuckoo, is a full-on genius, right? Like, she makes these incredible bits of weaponry, and both of them, over the course of the series, kind of, like, lose it, but whereas she embraces the crazy, like you said, Chase, Jace kind of, like, it hits him, and he's like, oh, no, we need to make peace. Like, they, they have these weird, like, parallel arcs in my mind. It's a bit of a weird analysis, I know, but um, they just choose such drastically different directions, and they both are heavily influenced and either accept or then reject Vi's influence at the end. Because Vi is the one that drives Jace to do, to actually do something, and then to realize, oh, yeah, no, this is a problem. Like, way more than his friend, his childhood friend Caitlin does. Well, uh, it, whereas Jinx just totally, re re like, rejects it at the end. And, and that in itself does such a great job of, of pointing out the issues uh, that come with privilege, right? Like, Jace has lived in an... You know, despite being discredited for, for what happens in Act 1, like, he immediately bounced back. He's in a high council position. His family was well off. Um, he never had to face the violence that is living in Zaun head-on, whereas Vi and Jinx absolutely did. Jace sees it for just a moment, gets a glimpse of how different things are, and immediately is like, oh, this sucks. Like, this is, this is terrible. We should do something about this. But yeah. for Vi and Jinx, that's a privilege they never had. There was nowhere for them to go. And even at the end of this series, like, Vi tells Jace off for leaving instead of finishing the job because Vi knows that the job cannot be accomplished by just hoping that peace happens because there's too much bad blood. There's too much danger and, and too many... Uh, hard feelings that have been built up over time. And of course, that's exactly what happens, right? And, you know, Jace goes for the uh, the peace route and Jinx literally blows that the fuck up. Yeah. Like, it's... it's because the decision-maker by the time Zahn, that Well, it's because the decision-maker from Zahn is gone. Yeah. I, I she, love, is, she becomes the decision-maker, yeah. right? I, I love that I asked that question, what was your favorite scene from here? And you guys mentioned the, the bridge scene, which is fantastic. And you mentioned the fight between uh, Vi and Savika. But to me, my favorite scene, maybe out of the entire show, is the the, the table. The, the dinner on, scene. With, with Oh my Vi. god, the whole I'm not that crazy thing. That was just... Oh. Oh, beautiful it's, it's so good and it's so well done and i think i think the star of the final episode is silco because oh. he is the one that the consequences of everything come down to him he's the one that ultimately makes the decision and and goes for guidance at vander's statue and because of that moment of weakness where he he needs to talk to someone but he can't actually talk to anyone 
So he goes to Vander, and that Jinx is there and hears everything he has to say and, and hears his confession, essentially. And then there's the moment at the dinner table where Soko goes, fuck it. Like, I'm, I'm good. You're, you're, Vi, you're Vander 2.0 and I got to get rid of you for, for this all to work. And Powder comes back for just an instant, just a second. And even though she does, even though even though Jinx disappears for a moment, Silco still goes. You're still you're still Jinx. I still love you no matter what. Oh my God! Just... That hit harder than it should have. It really oh, did. They, right. I hope that Silco doesn't really die and that he comes back because I loved him as a character. I don't know if they're going to focus on Zon Piltover after um, this. I mean, they they set up inroads for like Noxus and. Stop, well, I think they? Arcane is going to be. They've yeah. confirmed in yeah, interviews yeah. that Arcane is going to continue to be Piltover and Zon's story, oh, but they're going to be, be pursuing stories okay. from different okay. regions in different methods, even potentially uh, okay. in other series that haven't been announced yet. Um, which, given the the pacing of some of the games that they've been putting out, uh, which they've they've been building up uh, multiple <laughs> game water. titles <sighs> over the next couple of years, uh, I. I tend to believe that the next project will come sooner rather than later. Even if Arcane doesn't come until at least 2023, maybe even 2024, I don't think we're going to be waiting that long for more League of Legends content because that's the empire that Riot wants to build. And it'll be kind of interesting to see how they differ the production style based on the topic and region that they choose to focus on. I do think, yeah. though, that the next season of Arcane, and now that we are here at the end, uh, I, I do want to just speculate for just a moment or two before we get out of here, that I do think that season two of Arcane is going to do sort of the the MCU, the Star Wars Mandalorian thing of like, all right, cool, we introduced you to all, the, all these characters and everything in, in season one that you are now invested in. We gave you the little bit of a teaser here with Mel and uh, with her mother coming from Noxus. I do think season two of Arcane is when we get introduced to Noxus and they then do an offshoot project, uh, probably a TV show, from there, where we go to Noxus. Because as you said at the beginning, Zaun and Piltover are such an easy parallel in the world that they've created. And Noxus and Demacia are the exact same thing. They are such an easy parallel with very identifiable and, and, you know, beloved characters that you can use to build out this, this you know, Netflix TV series universe. Um, um, yeah. What is, what is something that you would want to see in season two, uh, either built on from season one or just something new that you wanted to see? I mean... I have a lot of theories going into it. Like the biggest one, obviously, everyone's got this: is that Vander's really Warwick, right? That's 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 right. a big one. A lot of hint, lot, lot of hints on that one with Sin. But uh, yeah. what's the one guy? I can't remember his name. Who you see at the bar at the very beginning, but then is addicted to Simmer later on. How uh, there's there's oh. a theory that he's Twitch, and that uh oh with the yeah, glasses, that he'll yeah. eventually yeah. Uh, turn out that Shimmer does a lot more to your body than previously had been thought. Like they already know it's pretty bad, but it like really deforms after having use for years and years that it can completely mm. change how you look and that's how we'll end up getting warwick that's how we'll end up getting twitch but i think you kind of talked about noxus and i think that that's an idea 
But I think that if you, like what's going to happen is not even Noxus versus Demacia, but Noxus versus Ionia, because we're getting towards the point in time when the Noxus invasion of Ionia would take place, at least if you were continuing with the lore as how Riot has it currently that that would probably be the play that they'd want to have, is have something like that with the, on an offshoot that's more of like a two sides of a war. And that's hinted at uh, as well, because uh, when we get introduced to Mel's mom, she, she, you know, she drops a few hints. There's like, there's a war is coming kind yep. of vibe, right? She also talks about how like the brother is dead and like she wants Mel to come back and, you know, take her place, which I think if we do shift to Noxus, we're probably going to see more of Mel, um, which is great because she's an awesome character. Yep. Uh, I think, um, I don't know if it's necessarily the Ionia conflict, although I think that may come in. It seems like there might be some inner Noxus stuff because she talks about how the brother crossed the wrong man. And my brain immediately goes like, okay, who are we getting? Darius, Draven, you know, what's happening? Swain, what's happening here? Because I think that's yeah. what's happening. I, I do think that that is the logical step for whatever the second show that Riot does is. Uh, as far as like what I expect from Arcane season two in specific... Uh, I'm ready. I'm here for the glorious evolution. I'm here for Victor fully going ham on this. I want to see uh, Echo and Heimerdinger continue to get fleshed out more. This kind of uh, oasis within Zaun and what that means for the city-state. Uh, I want to see if the independence of Zaun is actually put into effect and what that looks like, given what I'm sure is going to be a lot of backlash within Piltover, uh, given uh, the events at the end of the season. Uh, because we know that Zon does gain an amount of independence in, in the lore if we're going to, to go off of mm -hmm. that. And the, the Jason Victor falling out is going to continue to be a thing. I'm sure we're going to continue to get some uh, Vi and Jinx. And I, I expect the, the Vi-Caitlin dynamic to be expanded upon. And who knows, maybe we even get a, a, a fully-fledged relationship there. Uh, and of course, we have to keep in mind that there are, are new characters that are absolutely going to come up. There's a lot of uh, heavy implication that Vander is going to be revealed to be Warwick, given what happened at the end of, of our, uh, Act 1. And seeing what Warwick does up on, on the surface could be really interesting. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Um, the, the... I just want to interrupt you, I, just because I'm getting this vibe from you. And I, I want to see if this is with everyone else as well. We're all in agreement mm -hmm. the council's not going to die, though. Rocket, right uh you know i don't know about like fully i think it's just gonna be like we're gonna see either the aftermath or like straight up in the progress of an actual like war between the two i cities. think that I... mel's like there's like glowing thing that happened with her at the end and that's just gonna stop it oh mel's not well, i i think mel, mel's weight mel has plot well, armor. they all have plot armor right? are you sure mel's gonna about make it that? the rest of them i think are like i mean we've seen yeah, like the we, they killed kids they killed kids yeah. in, the, in, in Jace, the end of act one Jace i totally lives, believe mel that lives, some of those counselors are gonna die yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, all all the rest of them are going to die because they did not get a lot they did not get enough screen time for me to like be like Riot's going to let these people live. No, no, no. The, the old council's going to die. There's going to be some remnants, you know, Mel might call in Noxus. There might be like a full-on war, I think. I think Mel dies. <laughs> I think Mel dies Ooh. because we have to push Jace out of the council and into the actually taking the hammer 
I think she leaves. I think she goes fight. back to Noxus. She almost dies and goes back to Noxus. That's yeah. what I'm, I'm predicting. I, I, if they Maybe. kill Mel, we're going to refrigerate another strong oh, female one, character. That one I no, thank consider you. fridging, though. She got a lot of development. Usually fridging is like you don't have any development. They're, they're, it is an inglorious death, though. And it, I, it, I think the rest yeah. of the council may deserve it, but she doesn't. Yeah, if, if her death exists to propel Jace towards whatever his future is, uh, then I don't think I'm going to feel better about it because Act 1 That's gave fair. her a little bit more I character. Do, I, I think she has more to offer. I think her mom too. has more to well, offer. Right, so I don't think it's necessarily about, like, just about the Jace push, which I do think that's primary what it is, is that you have to then turn Jace into, like, a military aspect of, like, fighting against Zahn instead of just being, like, the, the lovable council himbo that tried to do yeah. the right thing. And I don't think we get a full-on, like, Noxus intervention coming in or anything. I think we get a end of an episode, two minutes of Mel's mom in a bathhouse, drinking at a bar, whatever, and the person showing up, just a shadow, her saying, you know, I knew you'd finally come for me, and then black. That may Assume, still happen, you know, and in insinuating she dies. Um, yeah, and I, we'll I think you have to make her just like you have to make her mom also expendable. And what better way of doing that than like having her entire family dead? I think the mom, like, the mom being expendable makes sense to me. I think I think Mel, Mel might have more to offer there. In in my opinion, uh, I also totally forgot about something. Uh, Zon has a massive power vacuum with Silco dead. That's going to be interesting to explore. Mundo time, baby. Sure does. Yeah. Yeah. I think Savika <laughs> would step up. I don't know. Savika would be really fun as a chem baron who was obviously loyal at the time, but now has an opportunity to come into her own. It, it feels like a natural evolution of her character and one yeah. that I would be very happy to see uh, delved into. There's the Mundo um, love. But like, there's like a mutual respect between her and Vi where like Savika doesn't mess with her and Vi like doesn't really mess with Savika. You guys are just skipping but over Jinx Mundo though. Where, Mundo! <laughs> where, where, does, where is Mundo going to come? Also, that guy, that one guy with the big like, the, the guy that like Vi destroyed in the prison, I think he's Urgot. Just saying it. I, I mean, it's possible. I, I will say, you're asking where is Mundo? Mundo goes where he pleases, but Mundo does not go to the hierarchy of a government. That is not where Mundo is built to hey, exist. You can't tell it's Mundo where he can set. and can't go. I don't know if we're going to get every single, like, like Zonite or Piltoverian league, league champion, but you know what? Maybe if we're, if we're throwing out where do we want to see, I think Camille comes in in a future arc. He's, she's Ooh. overdue. She's overdue yeah. for sure. She also looks kind of like that old sheriff, maybe a daughter or something. A family member. Make it happen, right? Listen, Mundo is a businessman, and he understands you can make money and Thank Zon. You. Thank uh, you. Corporate Mundo. Corporate he's, Mundo he's, is the best yeah. Mundo. Scam. He's gonna he's gonna come in and buy up all the Shimmer factories. Let's go. Absolutely. Uh, that being said, guys, this has been a lot of fun. I I think we hit on anything, unless there's. Any last comments, any little, you know, 30 second thing you just, you just got to get out there, uh, you know, say it as we, as we send you guys out into the wild world to wait for, you know, the next year and a half to two years until Arcane season two comes out. Uh, I'm going to go in reverse order how I introduce you. So magical, 
where can the lovely folks uh, at home find you on the internet? What have you been up to, and, and what would you like them to kind of support All you All right, with? so you can follow me at mad underscore magical on Twitter. Uh, still doing the Academy stuff, but I just want to say before we go, listen to me. Mundo, you can make Mundo. He could have his whole arc. He could have, like, he's a serial killer of Zaun. They're trying to solve this crime, and they don't know what's happening, and they have this massive, awesome, like, arc where they uh, capture him, but then they have to fight him, and they realize he's just Mundo, and he goes where he's pleased. I'm just, that's, that's where I'm going to leave it. <laughs> Sweet. Mundo, Mundo is the best muscle man. Uh, Devin, where can the good folks at home find you? Uh, yeah, I am at Pyrotechnics on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, all that stuff. Uh, you can also catch me shoutcasting the Pacific Championship Series for League of Legends, uh, which is going to be kicking off uh, in just a couple of days. A bit of a night shift for uh, those of you on the North American side of things. But if you do want to watch uh, some Southeast Asia League of Legends, you can catch me on all of that. Uh, and my uh, closing thought is thank you, Riot, for giving us a Jinx Pentakill in the first three episodes of Arcane. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> only, only you, Devin, would cheer on death and destruction <laughs> happening in an animated. I have main Jinx since 2014. <laughs> All these people who are just like jumping on the bandwagon right now because she's good and meta. Uh, I see all you. I know. I know. Like, I don't. I don't care if Zary's the new hotness. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep playing Jinx. Anyways, uh, also two, two and zero on killing dads. So you know, very efficient. <laughs> Listen, I've got a Jinx firecracker statue sitting on my bookshelf behind me I, right now. I've got the firecracker TFT thing. thing. I spent too much money on that. I I, I swear, right? I, you you know how to get my money, and I hate it. But I also love everything you make. So great, <laughs> Chase. Uh, I, this has been a lot of fun, and I know that when the show came out, we were kind of hesitant about when or if we were going to talk about it. I gotta say, I think we had a lot of fun here. What what if like what can the fans of rough drafts look forward to here coming coming up yeah well of course uh you can follow me at chase wasson on twitter you can follow the pod at rough drafts pod uh hopefully uh you guys are uh by the time you're listening to this either uh enjoying or about to enjoy the debut of narrative enhancements the wrestling podcast in which walter walks me through an event that i did not watch and have avoided all spoilers on uh, as we go into the storylines and shenanigans that come along with professional wrestling as it currently exists uh hopefully you're also enjoying k-pop shenanigans our best of 2021 episode uh came out uh, earlier this month, and it was a pleasure to get back into that, just as it was a pleasure uh, to get back into a, a GGWP crossover today. So um, definitely keep uh, tuned to the space. We'll keep going with Final Cut. We've still got plenty of, of details with uh, steam cleaners, and you may have by this point heard my absolute breakdown uh, talking about Danganronpa V3. Uh, that game still, to this day, I, I, I haven't gotten over it. I will never get over it. Uh, and if you enjoy watching me get irrationally angry about a game uh, that I played, Steam Cleaners is for you. Absolutely. We have had a lot of fun with Steam Cleaners. We have had a lot of fun with Final Cut in general, as we have now started to uh, slowly make our way into Oscar season. Chase and I have to talk in the background to see if there are any movies that we need to catch up on uh, so we can watch the Oscars. Just kidding. I'm not going to watch the Oscars. Um, <laughs> but if there's anything we need to catch up on, anything that we really, really feel like we need to talk about... Uh, Obviously, narrative enhancements. We are on the road to WrestleMania. The Royal Rumble was a lot of um, 
It was a lot of something, and coming up next month, we do have AEW's Revolution podcast before we do hit WrestleMania. As always, you guys can follow me at C80s underscore LOL. And until next time, goodbye, Internet.